0: Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you. We
1: discussed two movies that played at Sundance along with one non Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing Monster, Austin Land, and the Mitchells vs. the Machines. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. Jessica, it's been a week. It has indeed. And we need to talk.
0: Spill that tea. <laughs>
1: As of this recording, we haven't actually talked about this. Did you hear that the Golden Globes? Are canceled.
0: Yep, I did. I saw that they're hashtag canceled by NBC.
1: They screwed up. They <laughs> not letting any black people in their organization. Yep. I mean, I know it's only for a year. Uh, as of right now, until they they get their house in order and mm-hmm. get
0: their ranks get some more people of color, and... I saw that Netflix canceled them before NBC, actually. Yeah,
1: they were like, no, we're not going to let any of our people interact with you, we're not going to put forth the effort, even though everyone has known that it's been a corrupt organization for years, because it's only about 80 people deciding this big awards show that has a bigger place in award season than it probably should. Mm-hmm. It's been a bad year for the Golden Globes, mm-hmm.
0: and it's finally, the chickens have come home to roost. I don't know if this is real or not, but I saw that Tom Cruise is giving back his Golden Globes.
1: I have also seen those headlines, but I have not delved into yeah, it. Yeah, not but sure if it's real. I, a lot of celebrities are calling them out. Did you see that Scarlett Johansson before they had gotten canceled, she was calling on people not to interact with them because she's been suffering sexist questions from them for years. Yeah. Because if you've paid attention to any of the Hollywood Forum Press actual members, they ask the most ridiculous things a lot of times. And even on Oscar Night, there was a whole controversy where one of the reporters, she claimed she didn't, but she obviously did confuse Daniel Kaluuya with Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> and basically asked...
0: I think I might have heard about how that.
1: How it was being directed by Regina
0: King yeah I did see that I did see that
1: and the only thing good thing to come out of that situation is that GIF of Daniel Kaluuya just realizing what's going on and just kind of his eyes bugging out yeah
0: I didn't see I didn't watch it with sound I just saw a clip of him being like what
1: yeah It's awkward because she kind of tries to fumble her way through it and justify what she's saying. She's like, you know this. And he's, of course, a gentleman and doesn't slam her. And he tries to answer a question that kind of relates. But everyone on Twitter, of course, dogpiled on her. (laughs) And probably for good reason, because you need to get your facts straight. Yeah. But I will be sad to not have the Golden Globes to watch next year. But also, it's for a good reason, because they need to... To reform but the Golden Globes are always good for some wacko crazy winners so I enjoy that and just their randomness of like Sia's music getting nominated for a bunch of awards this year and having the internet <laughs> meltdown so I appreciate the train wreck aspect of it whenever they have good hosts like Tina and Amy. It's a ballsy move, but hopefully in the end, the organization will be able to be better. Just be better. Mm-hmm. Moving on to other topics. There were a few things from this week that I wanted to discuss with you. We watched these things together, but you don't know. I'll, I haven't told you all of my true feelings on these things yet. <laughs> um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is the 1937 film History is Made at Night by Frank Borzic, which starts Stars Gene Arthur, Charles Boyer, and Colin Clive. And I know you weren't as big of a fan of this movie. No. I really love this movie. It's about an American woman who's married to this jerk. Well, the jerk store called. They're running out of you. Wealthy individual who's like a ship magnet, and she asked for a divorce, and he's like, nah, not playing that. And he tries to frame her for being uh, unfaithful in a hotel room so she cannot actually achieve her divorce. But she is saved from the situation by this Frenchman, and their relationship... I was really charmed by it because he originally poses as a kidnapper to get her out of the situation, and the movie... It's a very mishmash of genres. So what I really love about it is that it's a very romantic movie. I was just very charmed by the the relationship between the two leads, and I realized this afterwards. I felt similar to a movie that you also did not like as much as me, which is Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and I realized the common link was Jean Arthur, because I really loved her in that as well. I really liked that movie, though. But you didn't like her relationship with him as much as I did. It was rushed
0: and unbelievable.
1: Yeah. That movie is way better than this one. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it is, but I still really love this movie. I thought it was really nice and one of the better romantic movies from quote unquote golden age of Hollywood that I've seen. Building on our conversation from a week or two ago about WandaVision, we finally finished the HBO series, Mrs. Fletcher, which also stars Katherine Hahn. And if you enjoyed Katherine Hahn in WandaVision, I would highly recommend Mrs. Fletcher because it is pretty
0: excellent and she is great in it. It's a very interesting show about a woman Becoming comfortable with being herself. Yeah. With herself. Yeah, and... And accepting that she has sexual needs as well, and that's okay. Yeah, finding
1: out new aspects about herself, finding out what she actually likes. And then there's other subplots with her son that's also equally compelling about him finding his way to college and realizing that just because... He's the way! He is the worst. <laughs> Just because you're popular in high school doesn't mean you can transition that into college and you have to kind of grow up. So that's a quick plug for Mrs. Fletcher on HBO. So, Jessica, with that being said, shall we Sundance? We shall. We <laughs> shall.
0: See when you look at me. you ready for your test, right? I study. Boy.
1: Images can tell a story. You have the opportunity here to move people.
0: Artist. We came forward running backwards oh. Hey! Yo, pull up! Outsider. Get my good side. Hold up. You Got me. I got you, yo. Somehow we made it. When you were born, I thought of all the scenes of your life. Although jaded, dating a beautiful girl. Was it worth it all? Someone just like your mother. I even imagined being mad at you for things any kid does. never saw anything like this.
1: Monster premiered at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival as a part of the U.S. Dramatic Competition. It is directed by Anthony Mandler and stars Kelvin Harrison Jr., Jennifer Eel, Tim Blake Nelson, Nas, ASAP Rocky, John David Washington, Jennifer Hudson, and Jeffrey Wright. Monster is what the prosecutor calls 17-year-old honor student and aspiring filmmaker Steve Harmon. Charged with felony murder for a crime he says he did not commit, the film follows his dramatic journey through a complex legal battle that could leave him spending the rest of his life in prison. So as I mentioned, this movie premiered at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival, which was actually the first Sundance that we were able to attend together. And at the time, I was pretty interested in the movie, but we didn't get to make time to see it at the festival, so... So I kept waiting for it to come out, and then I kind of forgot about it for a long time until finally, after three years, Netflix announced that they had acquired it, and now we finally got to see it. And is it worth the wait? Eh, not (laughs) entirely. (laughs) The reason I was anticipating this movie so much from a modern perspective is I love Kelvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> I've been super impressed with him in Waves and Loose Waves was my favorite film of 2019. So, I was super stoked to see him in another starring role in that kind of vein. But the movie itself, it kind of makes sense why it was <laughs> not picked up for several years and just kind of sat on the shelf. It's good, not great. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie but it's just kind of once you reach the end you're like okay you just want to see what happens to him but i think the way that the film goes about telling this story and what happens to steve isn't done in the most engaging and involving way
0: yeah i think kelvin's performance is probably the best thing about it and i agree it's not as engaging it's not i didn't find it as interesting as some other courtroom dramas that i've seen
1: yeah i like the way that the movie is trying to engage with perceptions of race and how that impacts people.
0: Racial profiling.
1: Yeah. But the interesting thing is the same year at Sundance in 2018, there was also a movie with Kelvin Harrison Jr. and John David Washington Mm -hmm. called Monsters and Men, which dealt kind of with the same issues, which I thought was better. It was
0: more about police, though, instead of the justice system. True. But yeah, I like that one better.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting that that was a very concentrated group of people hovering around the same topics. hmm but that one came out and was a lot better.
0: Yeah. Did we see that one at Belcourt? We did, yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't think that this movie is the worst movie ever to deal with the subject. I just wish that it was a little bit better and I definitely felt badly for Kelvin's character and frustrated for him. I just think maybe it's another case of where the movie is just kind of surface level a lot of times and it's not it's not gritty enough for me or something. I realize what they're, what they're showing, like what they're showcasing, which needs to be showcased, but I just think there could have been a better way.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I had a similar issue with it being not kind of gritty enough for me. I think one of my big issues with it is even though we're cinephiles and we both love the art of movie making, the fact that this character was an aspiring filmmaker almost worked to a detriment to this movie. It introduced very interesting kind of parallel thinking to films such as Rashomon, but then he viewed his situation more so so as a movie
0: yeah he was kind of outside of the situation
1: yeah i think the narration
0: was a weakness
1: yeah it's a definite weakness for me because in addition to it not being gritty enough it was really blunt in a way that left little room for nuance yeah but there were some really more subtle moments i liked one of my favorite moments in the movie it was very uncomfortable because you know he's in prison with all of these quote-unquote actual hardened criminals There's a scene where his mother, played by Jennifer Hudson, goes to visit him and makes him recite passages from the Bible along with her as he's surrounded by people that (laughs) he has to be in there with after she leaves. So it's kind of making him look soft and when he doesn't need to show weakness. It was done better in The Night Of, but just Mm. Riz's character having to...
0: Man, that was a good show. Yeah,
1: it was (laughs) great. Which is his evolution of having to go from a gentle kid to a hardened criminal. This mm-hmm. movie didn't delve into that, yeah, but it echoed that in my mind.
0: Yeah, I felt uncomfortable as well because I had the same thoughts of what are these guys gonna think? But then there's also like in other movies and shows where they kind of respect that stuff, like religion and their moms. Yeah. so it's your mom. Yeah, That's- they might be more understanding. I got uncomfortable whenever she was like, here, take this Bible, and then I thought, I don't think you can do that. And the guard was like, No, you can't give. Them books, and I was like, yeah, okay,
1: yeah. The well meaning mom who has to go into like <laughs> a, a prison setting, yeah.
0: Like, she it's like she came in with, Here, I baked a cake for you, you can have that. They're like, No, <laughs> what you, the hell you, you cannot do that, <laughs>
1: yeah. It always makes me super uncomfortable.
0: They just and... want to act like everything's normal and they want to take care of their kid, even though. They're not in the same house with them anymore.
1: You're like, give me a hug. I'm like, no. Once again, <laughs> you cannot touch. <laughs> but some of these shows that we watch, it seems like there's different rules for like each prison. Because I'm like, oh, they definitely can't touch, and then they'll be like hugging and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, what the?
0: Okay. I think it just has to do with the story, how they can relate and exposition and all that.
1: Whoa, 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 Jessica, <laughs> are you telling me that all of these shows and movies we watch are not 100 percent
0: accurate? surprisingly i don't think they are i just learned this a couple years ago
1: get out of here (laughs) this is the only way i know anything about the justice system so i don't think i could be a lawyer now
0: yeah i've gotten all of my education from drop dead diva oh my goodness so
1: (laughs) i bought i watched seven seasons of the good wife so i was pretty much ready to go
0: I am almost a doctor with all the Grey's Anatomy I've watched, and House, and I'm almost a lawyer, so I just learned this, that we can't rely on that.
1: I mean, I know we're doing a bit, but you are pretty dope with medical knowledge, so...
0: (laughs) That is true, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Editorial note, Jessica
1: (laughs) is not a licensed doctor, but she's probably better than a licensed (laughs) doctor. Anyway, <laughs> uh, there were some interesting smaller roles in this movie, like populated by people who in 2018 probably weren't as popular, but nowadays you're like, oh, that person, as I mentioned, John David Washington, <laughs> yeah, but also Gerald Jerome from When They See Us in a oh, small yeah. role. And I was like, once again, in the prison system, the, it had a really good cast and everyone did really well. It's just the script didn't give them a lot to do it's just kind of very vanilla for this type of movie yeah I agree the one thing I do want to give this movie credit for is the depiction of his public defender played by Jennifer Eel because at the beginning of the movie you can see that she's overworked and you think oh this is definitely going to be a case of a person not giving their all and letting a person fall through the cracks but she did a really good job with trying to relate to him and give him the best defense possible I think it was a interesting choice to not go the cliche route
0: oh good for you and how was it What is that rating system? Okay,
1: so the rating system is cream sodas because that is what he was buying in the bodega Mm -hmm. that the crime went down. So just for Kelvin alone and his excellent performance and the fact that this isn't a bad movie, I would give this three out of five cream sodas.
0: Well, the people are going to be bored because I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Three out of five cream sodas.
1: (laughs) If they've listened to this many episodes, I know we're just like-minded. Yeah, that's fair. I was was gonna say damn clones of one another, but no, no,
0: we have different levels of anxiety.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Rest assured, we both have anxiety. We're both broken. We are both just damaged people. Indeed, but but we work together. (laughs) So if anyone (laughs) wants to see what they think of this movie. It was purchased by Netflix. It debuted on there recently, so check it out and tweet us. Let us know what you think. What separates the casual Jane Austen fan? Oh, Janie, it's gotten so much worse. From the aficionado. The number of times she's read Austen's novels or her consuming love for Mr. Darcy. This is the best part. Unbelievable. She finds her way here to the world's only immersive austin experience
0: you're going to the darcy place too yes i memorized the first three chapters of pride and prejudice when i was 13. (laughs) what's that Austin Land premiered at Sundance in 2013. It was written by Jerusha Hess and Shannon Hale and directed by Jerusha Hess. It stars Carrie Russell, J.J. Field, Jennifer Coolidge and Brett McKenzie. Jane Hayes played by Carrie Russell is obsessed with the 1995 film adaptation of Pride and Prejudice starring Colin Firth. She spends most of her time fantasizing about the character of Mr. Darcy. After having abysmal luck finding a man that lives up to the hype of Colin Firth's Mr. Darcy she scrapes together all the money she has and sets off for Austin Land, a British Theme resort where guests immerse themselves in a romantic fantasy that rivals the work of Jane Austen herself. Jane Hayes soon finds that sometimes fantasies should just remain fantasies. I was very excited for this movie and it disappointed me. I was really looking forward to it because of Carrie Russell and just having the vibe of it being funny and charming, but it just wasn't that for me. I found it boring and I didn't really care about the characters. I like Carrie Russell, she's probably the best part of the movie, definitely, but the whole movie is just uninteresting for me. And I guess I'm ashamed to admit that I haven't read any Jane Austen books. I tried whenever I was a teen. I couldn't get into it. and I've only seen a few of the film adaptations. So I don't really think Jane Austen is for me. There were probably a lot of parallels to her work within this movie that I just didn't pick up because I've never read the books. so oh well, <laughs> I like um, becoming Jane, but that's about Jane Austen herself. and then I like the Jane Austen Book Club, but that's not a film adaptation of her work. It has things in it that I probably miss.
1: You like stuff around Jane Austen. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I'm sure her books are probably great. I just can't get into them. I don't know. I just can't. I like Clueless. So you're basically an Austen-head. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's obsessed with the pure Knightley Pride and Prejudice, but I think it's fine. Unpopular opinion. <laughs> it's fine, says Jessica Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> Under the movie poster.
1: <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, eh, I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, I was also similarly excited for it. It for the same reasons. The movie, like I said, it wasn't great. It started off very slow. <laughs> and it started off on a sour note for me, because just seeing the great Carrie Russell Dane to have to go on all of these dates with all these disgusting men <laughs> who were just, I was just like, no girl, you're better than this.
0: That's kind of like a trope though. Yeah, but. Having goobers.
1: <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, because this woman, she's not insane. or yeah, like,
0: she's not not like a crazy cat lady, but they're like, ew, you like Mr. Darcy and Pride and Prejudice.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just basically the woman has standards mm-hmm. and she just doesn't want to have to date trolls. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's fine.
0: That's fine. Don't give up your likes just because some dude doesn't like it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I get what the movie was doing, and it just wasn't doing it super well or, like, in the most entertaining fashion. I do think it picked up more towards the end of the movie. I was a little bit more entertained. But even then, the person who I thought I wanted to be (laughs) the love interest, at the end, I did not want to be the love interest. And the person who was the love interest, I was like,
0: oh, all right. Yeah, she didn't really have any chemistry with any of them.
1: So, like you said, whenever she was giving comedic stuff to do, such as her piano scene where she mucks about with modern music, it yeah. really made me laugh.
0: I like whenever she's able to do little snarky bits because she's really good at that.
1: Yeah, but the movie didn't really give her a lot. Her character... Did
0: not do anything.
1: It was, yeah, she was kind of <laughs> bland. Yeah. And whenever she starts to realize that maybe Austin Lane isn't all that it's
0: Cranked meant up, up. to be.
1: Yeah, and she's just like, I'm going to rebel and starts to...
0: I like that. She she takes charge but yeah she's pretty bland as well as most of the people in the movie.
1: Yeah but what I was saying whenever she does quote unquote rebel or like start talking to like the farm hand or whatever those are the most interesting parts of the movie.
0: Yeah the premise of the movie it was really interesting Mm -hmm. which is why I was like oh cool this is going to be fun but it's just it's not well executed.
1: Even like Jennifer Coolidge who's typically pretty good I mean she got to be a bit much for me on Two Broke Girls after a while. Even she wasn't given the greatest stuff to do here
0: yeah she seemed to be given her pretty much all she gets now is just being like a bimbo
1: yeah (laughs) makes me want a hot dog real bad so there wasn't a lot of good comedy bits and then american god fans they'll love that uh ricky whittle showed up and is shirtless a lot of the several shirtless yeah Yeah. scenes if anyone likes that tight little bod (laughs) (laughs) this is the movie for you (laughs)
0: Buttons and baby.
1: Yeah. This movie just went for all of the most obvious humor from the premise and didn't really dig into anything substantial. It even had some poop humor and <laughs> Karen Russell was right there. She's so great in pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. They just did not give her enough to do.
0: No. It would have been better if they would have. Oh,
1: yeah! oh no. Jessica, I'm sure your rating system is going to be better than the movie, so hit me with
0: it. My rating system is Colin Firth cardboard cutouts. Ooh. It's a bit of a mouthful. It's worth it. Yeah. I give this two Colin Firth cardboard cutouts out of five. Okay. Ugh.
1: I might give it one and a half.
0: Understandable.
1: Colin Firth cardboard (laughs) cutouts. (laughs) And if you are interested in seeing if this movie is for you, it is available on Blu-ray and as of this recording, available through Stars. Every family has its challenges. We haven't had a good family picture in years because you two are always arguing. For my family, our greatest challenge... Probably the Robot Apocalypse.
0: Attention all robots! Capture every, every single person on the planet! Yeah. Well, what would a functional family do?
1: Huh. Butterfly formation! Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Ah. First. Ah. So we just do that, right?
0: The Mitchells vs. The Machines premiered on Netflix in May of this year. It was written by Michael Rianda, Jeff Rowe, and Alex Hirsch, and directed by Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe. It stars Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, and Michael Rianda. It's time for young Kate Mitchell to leave for her first year of film school. Desperate for last-minute family bonding time, her father upends her plans to fly to school in order to have a family road trip, thinking maybe he can get back the closeness he and Kate shared when she was younger. But these plans for family bonding soon get interrupted when suddenly all of the world's electronic devices come to life and decide to stage an uprising against humanity. The Mitchells and their beloved dog Monchi soon find themselves the only hope that humanity has left. They must now come together in order to save one another and the planet from the new technological revolution. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It was really good. I appreciated that they mixed all kinds of animation styles into it. That was fun. And I like that there's different levels of humor for different ages. So it works for adults as well as children.
1: Yeah, I was looking forward to this one very much since I heard it was from the team behind Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And while it is not as good as those movies for me, it still is a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed the message behind the movie and just the amount of laughs it gave me. Mm
0: -hmm. I like uh, the clever funny bits that they have in there like their ideas, just kind of weird humor it it makes me laugh.
1: Yeah and the animation style is a lot of fun too. I know that type of full on assault of the senses probably won't work for everyone but (laughs) it worked for me. It just kind of random bits of 2D and like doodle animation just popping up and Mm -hmm. thought bubbles. And And actual
0: pictures Yeah, screaming animals. Yeah (laughs) and yeah, YouTube clips. Yeah It also makes me think of Fully Cool the anime they do that with their manga like they'll switch to the manga drawings and then back to the show animation so i like shows and movies that do that
1: yeah it's very frenetic and crazy but i'm right there with it. it i keep up with it and Yeah, it keeps me awake
0: (laughs) yeah and I love all the colors too it's really colorful and even with the animation that's just like the 3D like the digital that they're using Mm -hmm. there's texture to everyone's faces it's not just super clean Mm -hmm. so you can tell that people are older or they look more haggard or whatever you can see like facial hair coming up and that's cool I like that the details
1: it seems like Sony animation is kind of the redheaded stepchild of the (laughs) animation world they had to sell this to Netflix because of COVID. Not all of their movies are home runs, but they do put out some really good stuff, and this is proof of that. Yeah. That their teams can be just as talented as some of the more traditional Disney and...
0: Yeah. It seems like Sony, they have, not grosser, but, you know, like, darker humor than Pixar would, you know?
1: Yeah. It does have heart, but it's usually more, I guess, more potty humor, but it's not always potty humor. Yeah.
0: It's something else about it. It's not just potty humor. There's something else. I
1: think it's mostly because I'm thinking of all the... Tell Transylvania movie, so Adam Sandler stuff. And... Yeah, but
0: that wasn't even all potty humor stuff. But no. I don't know. There's just something about it that Pixar doesn't do that they do. It's just a little grime Yeah. Got yeah, some grime on it. Makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> they also seem to have a lot more music involved, especially like modern pop hits mm-hmm. and radio hits, mm-hmm. which I enjoy. And one of the featured songs that they use that's like a thing between the Kate and her dad. Oh, yeah. Um, I just remembering whenever that came out as a song, like an actual song, and just like the memories associated around it, just that time of my life and everything. Yeah. And then the scene that they're using it for over and over, and then towards like the climax, got me a lot. Oh. It made me tear up and got me in the in the heart.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. But the scene that surprisingly made me start to tear up, they used about 30 seconds of the song, but there was a Sigur Ros song oh, yeah. at the very end. They didn't even get to the singing part, but yeah. just hearing the notes is so programmed inside <laughs> me and i was just like dear god <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> are you Whenever they started using that, I was like, oh, wow, that's nice. And then they didn't even get to the main part of it. So I was like, oh, OK, yeah. bold choice.
1: <laughs> but just those opening notes, I was just like, yep, here comes the waterworks.
0: <laughs> that song always makes me think of Penelope because it's the first time they ever heard it. And I was like obsessed with finding it. And it was difficult to find because I think the version that they use in that movie was a cover. And it oh, wasn't yeah. exactly Sigur Rose. So I was just like, what? And then whenever I met you, yeah. I understood. And I was like, finally. <laughs>
1: And it would be so incredibly difficult (laughs) to Google those lyrics. Yeah, because
0: it starts with an H, the song does. Oh, yeah. It's like hip something. If I had it in front of me, I would have
1: trouble saying the name. Yeah. I really enjoyed the use of music. Disney, they do original music. They're going for those Oscars. Mm -hmm. Sony, they just provide the hits. That's all we want.
0: Yeah, they use it very well. Yeah. Sometimes it can be earwormy and annoying, but usually they're good.
1: One of the things that you just mentioned whenever the song between her and her dad and when it came out whenever they were showing those flashbacks of her life growing up and showing that she was like born in 2004 or something (laughs) seeing her dance around as a kid to these songs i was like Oh, this is the first time I kind of felt older than I am.
0: That went through my mind, but I tried not to.
1: <laughs> I tried not to grasp onto it. I know you're always pondering your mortality, but I'm yeah. more so oblivious.
0: Yeah, and her and her dad's song that I was just talking about, that being like a piece of her childhood, just it makes me feel like ancient. <laughs>
1: But I really did like the character of Katie because once again I love a good Cinephile on screens. I love the that this movie has introduced the meme like, Behold Cinema. Yeah. So that's been fun for Twitter, but just seeing all of the silly little movies that she would create with her dog and it just warmed my heart and the growing divide that you have as you grow up with your parents and how you kind of you want your independence, but then they're your parents and they don't always quite understand what you're going through. and I don't know, It was depicted really well in this movie. It's very realistic, I feel. I mean, aside from the ro- robot uprising. Mm-hmm. But that underlying father-daughter family story was very effective and couched in this bigger idea of this crazy robot uprising, which could happen, based on... <laughs>
0: yeah, it very well could.
1: I loved all of the, the heartfelt stuff in this movie. That that goes along with the great humor.
0: Yeah, it got me. Tri- up a lot. And it made me just feel like, man, I miss the days just being on road trips with your family. But you're with these people and they're weird, but you're weird with them. And it's the same kind of weird. And you're like, yeah, I get it. I get you. You're my people.
1: Yeah. So the road trips where they'd be like,
0: Jessica, (laughs)
1: Jessica, stop reading. Look at this. Look at this.
0: Look outside. Look outside. You're missing it.
1: Isn't this cool? And you're like,
0: yeah, it's another tree. I got it. (laughs) I like their what they did with their dog all of the jokes with their dog is funny.
1: I love that their dog was cross-eyed.
0: Yeah, well it wasn't he wasn't cross-eyed it went out the other way. So it was like to the edges instead of looking at his nose. Oh, true. So, well his
1: eyes were not straight. Yeah,
0: I don't know the the word for looking the other way. Yeah. I also like the robots that befriended them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were funny. Their personalities and everything. I like that.
1: Yeah, played by uh, Beck Bennett and Fred Armisen. Mm -hmm. Fred has the perfect robot voice. I mean, he has a perfect voice for most things, but his just gentle little lilt that he has.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and Beck was a good robot, too. I mean, I recognize both of their voices immediately, Mm -hmm. but Beck's is good for robot machine kind of calming voice. Mm
1: -hmm. And also when he's trying to be more intimate dating like I am a robot. (laughs) Yeah. But you
0: will never make it.
1: (laughs) As far as voice work is concerned, I have to give props to Danny McBride, who plays the father, Rick. This seems like a very different type of role for him because he's usually very outrageous and (laughs) insane. But he's very toned down in this role. And of course, he can't let off a string of expletives like he normally does. But even just in his vocal performance, he's very toned down for large portions of the movie until the action ramps. Sub, and I was quite impressed by him, because I don't think of Danny McBride as restrained.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I liked his, his voice work in the movie. He was a good dad. He sounded very caring, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was also funny.
1: And then one of my favorite scenes in the film is whenever they go on their Dawn of the Dead-esque... <laughs> trip through the mall, and there's a, uh, a mini robot uprising that they had to contend with that yeah. led to a lot of moments that had me laughing out loud.
0: Yeah, that was a good part. Yeah.
1: So let's just say there's some jokes involving robot vacuum cleaners, of which we just recently acquired. <laughs> yeah, we named it Gary. <laughs> yes, it's great. <laughs> but there's some jokes in there about them that had me dying. <laughs> <laughs> ow,
0: ow, ow. Ow. <laughs> Like you said before, I thought the story was very good, and it was interesting, and I think that they did it well. Yeah.
1: This movie, it didn't have to be as heartfelt and thoughtful as it was, but I'm glad that it, it did everything that it did so well. And also, one other thing I want to point out that I think was a nice touch, they didn't make a big deal about it, as they shouldn't, but just the subtle LGBTQ undercurrent love story mm-hmm. with Katie, it's not made a big thing that, like, she's gay, but it's there if you pay attention. Mm-hmm. And one final thing. I know I keep saying okay, more thing. Okay, okay. As I said, I almost teared up with the certain songs in the music, but also, uh, I guess this movie is just tapping into some stuff. I was getting feelings during the end credits whenever they were showing all the actual family photos from all of the cast and crew. That's like the perfect note to end on, I felt.
0: I like whenever movies show actual photos of people. It's always nice.
1: Michael girl rocks! My girl does not rock! Jessica, please hit me with that dope rating system.
0: My rating system is Dog Cops. Ooh. <laughs> and I give this movie four and a half Dog Cops out of five.
1: Nice. So my rating system, I think I'm going with Evil Furbies. <laughs> and I think I would need to give this one four out of five Evil Furbies because I think it could have been paced just a little bit better, but it's still a really great movie. Agreed. If you want to watch this, as noted, this... This is on Netflix.
0: And now it's time for a top five countdown. And today we're doing courtroom movies. So, my
1: list is probably pretty conventional, but I did want to start off with one that I remembered, and I was glad I remembered, because I really enjoyed this movie. It's a movie from 1960 called Never Take Candy from a Stranger, and it's a movie I discovered last year when I was reviewing this 20-film Hammer film collection. It's a very interesting movie. It's a town where there's basically a known pedophile who lives there, but the person who is a pedophile, he is is part of a rich family, and everyone kind of lets it slide Mm because he doesn't harm people. Once a girl is lured in and made to dance naked in front of him for candy, it is reported to the authorities. He is put on trial against, basically, the wishes of the whole town who are kind of like, we can't go against this family. It's very intense. Anyone who hasn't seen it, it's just a very solid drama. Highly recommend it.
0: My number five is I Am Sam, because I really, really liked that movie, and I still really enjoy it. (laughs) I've seen it recently, again, and I like everyone in it, and it also encouraged my love for the Beatles at the time, my budding relationship with the Beatles whenever I first saw it, because it came out whenever I was 11.
1: Uh, I haven't seen I Am Sam in a long time, so I couldn't put that one on my list, but one that I could put on my list at number four would have to be Primal Fear from 1996. I watched that for the second time in my life last year with you. And it's a pretty great movie. I think a lot of the strength comes from the ending, but even throughout, it keeps you in suspense. And it pretty much introduced us to Edward Norton and his magnificent talent. Think what you will about Edward Norton, but we're fans in this household. (laughs) But it's a very strong
0: thriller. My number four is On the Basis of Sex. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I mean, it's just about one case in RBG's career, but I found it very nice and compelling, and I liked the acting talent involved except for Army Hammer. (laughs) He soiled the movie for me.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah, another movie whose ending made me cry, so.
0: Yeah, it, it got me.
1: Number three for me is Miracle on 34th Street, the 1947 version. Mm -hmm. I really love this. Edmund Gwynn is a really good Kris Kringle slash Santa Claus. And it even has a baby Natalie Wood, which I'm a huge Natalie Wood fan. And it's one of my upper tier Christmas movies.
0: My number three is Twelve Angry Men, and I watched that for the first time a couple years ago, I think, and I was blown away. I didn't know that I would like it that much, but it's really, really good, so check it out. My
1: number two is one that we've watched in the past few years, and it's A
0: Few Good Men. People yeah. love to hate on that one, though.
1: Whatever. <laughs> People can go suck an egg. I don't care.
0: They can go kick rocks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a good Tom Cruise performance. It's a great Jack Nicholson performance. Everyone's on point there. It's Aaron Sorkin writing, which if Aaron Sorkin can do anything, it's freaking write the crap out of a movie.
0: Mm-hmm. My number two is Aaron Brockovich. Mm. <laughs> I really, really like this movie. And Julia Roberts is fantastic in it. And the story is really interesting. And I just thoroughly enjoy it. Mm,
1: good old Steven Soderbergh. My number one is My Cousin Vinny, <laughs> which I know our, one of our three listeners, my friend Ish, he'll appreciate this pick. Uh, <laughs> It's not only a really funny movie, but it also has a lot of heart and good dramatic moments as well. It's a very well rounded movie.
0: Well, my number one, as you have already guessed, I'm sure, is Legally Blonde because it is perfection the entire way through. And Reese Witherspoon is phenomenal. And the writing, everything Chef's Kiss, brilliance. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Question Never gets old. <laughs>
1: okay is it your favorite Reese
0: Witherspoon performance um it's probably top three for me but I'd have to look at her work again now it's time for honorable mentions my honorable mentions are liar liar primal fear miracle on 34th street double jeopardy and inherit the wind
1: My honorable mentions would be pretty much your entire list, and I was also going to mention Inherit the Wind.
0: I will give
1: a shout-out to a movie I think is underrated, Gifted, with Chris Evans. Hmm. I think that's nice. And we recently, probably like a month ago, we watched A Time to Kill, Mm -hmm. and I really like that movie. And I guess one final movie. If I remembered this movie well enough, I probably would have included it, but I remember really loving The Insider, and I would like to rewatch that again soon with you.
0: I love a good courtroom movie. Case closed.
1: Film Festival. Join us again next week when we will be discussing 2016's The Bronze starring Melissa Roach and 2015's Mistress America starring Greta Gerwig, plus a wild card that you will have to wait to hear about. For those who want to prepare at home, The Bronze is currently available on Blu ray and to stream on stars, and Mistress America is available on Blu ray and digitally.
0: If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod. If you feel so inclined, feel free to leave a rating or a review, it helps us out.
1: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Gonzalez, too. You can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on geekvibesnation.com.
0: And you can follow me on twitter at jessica narrates you can also find me contributing to geek vibes
1: we are proud to be a part of the geek vibes nation podcasting network original music for the show is provided by andrew carroll who can be found at music by andrew carroll.com original artwork for the show is provided by ben belcher who can be found on instagram at the art of ben belcher i've been jessica and i've been dylan Glad those robots are gone. Now it's just us humans.
0: And our very human faces. Bye! Bye. cheese.